Hello there, happy innovators. My happy innovators. Yay, it's time for another Singularity podcast. It's time to grab a cup of coffee, kick back, relax, and just take a break for about 30 minutes, okay? Maybe a little bit more. I'm not sure how long this one's going to go, but you know what I'm saying. This is our time because, folks, we have coffee like this cup I have right here. Oh, man. And we have time. Um, so how you been? Huh? How's life treating you? Treating you good? You getting things done? Huh? Life is rough sometimes, I'm sure, but, you know, we're trying to make the best of it, right? And, uh, the world is what we make of it. So, um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit today, um, about something I've been thinking about uh, quite a bit over the past few days. Um, I'm sure that you remember the podcast that I released where I was talking about how my mother-in-law had passed away and how my wife and I had gone to Las Vegas for the funeral and all that, you know. And uh, it's been a couple months now and Things are kind of settling down a little bit and everything, but, you know, it's still sad and we still miss her very much. I know, at least for myself, I can speak for myself, that I I think about her pretty much every day, you know. It's like that for me, I guess, when people die that I care about, you know. I wind up probably thinking about them more after they're gone than when they were alive. should probably examine that. Can't quite figure out why that's the case, but that's how it is in my noodle. But uh, what I want to talk about today is this really kind of interesting change that's taken place um, in the relationship between me and my father-in-law. Now, I've known my father-in-law for years and years and years, okay? But we were never really close and we never really bonded You know, it was a very cordial relationship, a very friendly relationship, but we never really had the chance to really dig in and and really become friends, you know. And uh, while we were there for the funeral in Las Vegas, okay, um, my father-in-law and I started to kind of connect a little bit. I think that... uh, you know, he was obviously upset and sad and very much still grieving. Um, but it was something that I thought was kind of funny, okay, when we were there for the funeral. Um, but I guess I should premise this story with a couple of things about my father-in-law that I may or may not have told you about in the past, okay? But... My father-in-law is a very nice-looking man, okay? Um, He's old school, much like my father. Um, You know, combs his hair every day, uh, shaves every day, never leaves the house disheveled. You know, there's like these standards that these older fellas, like my father-in-law and my father, have. And... I've always noticed that, you know, it's just one of those things. Um, 
maybe I'm way off or something, but it just seems to me like the younger generations, like my generation included, um, we tend to have a little more lackadaisical approach to our appearance, okay? But my father-in-law is just one of those guys that is always, like, impeccably dressed. You know, he doesn't wear shorts. I've never seen him wear shorts. Uh, I've never seen him wear flip-flops or sandals. You know, uh, it's always, like, a nice button-up shirt or a polo shirt tucked in uh, with slacks and leather shoes, you know, shined leather shoes. Um, much like my dad, too. Uh, they just have this different way, this different approach to the world. And my father-in-law, uh, even during the week of his wife's funeral, okay, like, he already had women that were, like, knocking on his door, okay? Like, they were waiting to seize the opportunity. I kid you not. And at the time when we were there, uh, my wife and I and my father-in-law were all kind of laughing about it because in some small way you had this small group of women, you know, that lived near him and knew him and his wife, you know. Uh, But they were single. They were widowed. You know, they were older. But not all of them were real old women, Okay, my father-in-law is like 72 years old. All right. And these women were like jackals. I swear to you, it was so funny. Like they were pushing each other out of the way, you know, trying to get in the door, you know. And of course, my father-in-law, you know, during that week was like not anywhere near, you know, thinking about anything like that. Okay. But... That didn't stop these women from, you know, trying to get their name, like, on the list, you know? (laughs) And, you know, I guess it doesn't surprise me, and it didn't surprise my wife either, because, like I said, you know, my father-in-law is a pretty classy guy, you know, and he's a gentleman, and he has a great sense of humor, you know? And just over the past couple months or so, You know, my wife and I have been really kind of keeping tabs on him, calling him regularly, kind of like seeing how he's doing, making sure he's okay. And every time he calls us or we call him, he'll ask my wife, you know, put Mike on the phone. And that, truthfully, is kind of a new thing. Okay. Um, My father-in-law and I never had like a bad relationship. We just didn't really have a relationship. But now, every time we talk to each other, we wind up having these really long conversations. Oftentimes, it's, you know, really funny, and we're both laughing really hard. And it's kind of, in some ways, uh, a relationship that he can't have with my wife, simply because she's a woman. So there are certain kinds of things we can say. There are certain kinds of jokes we can make. Because we're two men talking to each other. Uh, What do they call it? Like locker room talk. Okay. So a lot of the time, the jokes and the humor are off colored, uh, probably a little on the edge of, you know, uh, inappropriate conversation. But um, we wind up in these conversations just like screaming, laughing, you know, 
And uh, I kind of have gotten the impression from my father-in-law that in a lot of ways, this laughter that we have is medicine for him. Okay? Like I gather from what he's implied to me that he hasn't had a whole lot of opportunity, even while he was married, to really dialogue like that and to talk like that. Okay? And to really laugh. You know, like to really, really laugh. To be in a conversation where there are no boundaries and he's not going to be, you know, reprimanded for saying the wrong thing or, you know, he's not going to offend me. Okay? He can talk wide open. And let me tell you, folks, that's how I prefer it to be when I'm talking to any of my friends. Okay? It kind of has to be that way because. What fun is a conversation where you know that there are boundaries, you know, where it has to be cordial and formal. Yeah, there's a time and a place for that. And sometimes that's the way it has to be. But I prefer it to be open, loose, funny, you know, free in nature, you know, not stuck up, stuffy and, you know, restrictive. Okay. Now, A lot of the time, my talking like this with other people, because I do, I'll admit it, I do. I talk open, fast, and loose with people, okay? Even if I don't know them very well. And sometimes it offends people, okay? And I have to kind of keep that in mind. And I have to kind of learn, really, how to, like, put a filter on it sometimes, you know? And I could probably do a lot better with that than I do, but... I'm working it out, you know, it's a work in progress, but really the point that I'm trying to make here is that laughter can really be medicine, you know, and, you know, my father-in-law is saying to me, you know, because we're talking regularly and we're laughing our asses off, you know, um, that, okay, this is what he says to me, okay, every time I talk to you, Mike, I wind up laughing. I wind up laughing for hours, you know, and it's good for me to laugh. It's good for me to laugh. Okay. Now, what's interesting about this is, is that when I talk to my own father, okay, he says the same thing to me. Okay. Like, Michael, every time I've talked to you, on the phone or whatever. Every time we get together, every time we talk, we laugh, you know? And of all my kids, you know, I can say that with you, that's the main difference is that every time we talk, we wind up laughing. Really, really laughing too. And, you know, that's a really high compliment to me. Coming from my own father, but now also coming from my father-in-law, you know? And for both of these men who are really quite similar, and I'll get into that in a minute, um, you know, this laughter is a healing kind of thing. It has healing properties, you know? When you laugh, it opens up your respiratory system and, you know, it stimulates your brain and endorphins and pheromones and oxytocin fills your brain. All these things that are positive and uh, promote joy and happiness and ultimately good health, right? Now, 
like I've said already, you know, a lot of the time when we're joking around or talking on the phone or whatever, whenever I'm talking with people, really, for the most part, um, like I said, you know, a lot of my speech can be fast and loose and I can kind of like test the boundaries a little bit. I want to kind of see, especially if I'm talking to somebody for the first time, right? But, you know, a lot of the time my humor can be off-colored or whatever, and you can really kind of figure out right away with someone, you know, if that is the kind of thing that is acceptable. And sometimes it isn't, okay? But most of the time it is. And those are the people that I'm friends with. You know, those are the people that I choose to talk to because I know that I don't really have to watch what I say. You know, and it's kind of nice for me too to have a relationship, especially with my father-in-law, you know, this man whom I love. I do love him and I love his daughter. I sure do. And I loved his wife, you know, um, it's nice to finally have a relationship like that, you know, where we can talk with each other and, you know, he seeks me out. When he calls, he wants to talk to me. And it was not always that way. Now, my father and my father-in-law have a lot of things in common. Not only do we all, you know, have the same sense of humor and kind of laugh a lot and stuff, but my father and my father-in-law both grew up in the same neighborhood in Cleveland, Ohio. And it wasn't a very good neighborhood, okay? It was an area that was kind of um, seedy, a little bit, uh, maybe working class, uh, lower middle class demographic, um, probably borderline poverty, really. Uh, and like I said, you know, my father-in-law and my father both grew up, you know, just streets away from each other, really. And they both worked their tails off, okay? to get out of that part of the city and move out into the suburbs uh, where the houses were nicer and there were lawns and sidewalks and the streets were safe. And most importantly, I guess, according to both my father and my father-in-law, the school systems were better in the suburbs. And that was what they were really concerned about, were their children and raising them in a neighborhood where they were safe and in a school district where they got a really good education. Now, as fate would have it, okay, it just so happens that my father and my father-in-law coming out of that neighborhood that they grew up in, okay, they both wound up in the same city. You know, um, truth be told, my father-in-law's house was probably a little bit bigger a little more expensive, a little nicer. My father, of course, had six children, so, you know, things were tight, but we lived in a really nice house in a very nice neighborhood and with a very enormous property, especially for the suburbs, you know. So we were able to play, like, baseball and stuff, football on our property, and we had plenty of room to run around on our own property, okay, but... The point was that they both wound up in the same city and their children wound up going to the same schools. And, you know, this, of course, is where my wife went to school and where I went to school. OK, so these two men, these two old school kind of 
gentleman, right, who uh, sacrificed so much to get to where they were, okay, uh, they have that in common, something that they share. In fact, there was a roller skating rink, okay, near where I lived growing up. Um, it was called Puritus Hill, okay, and Puritus Skate Park, okay, and it was a skating rink, and they would play music, and that's where the kids, you know, when my father was a kid and my father-in-law was a kid, that's where they used to hang out, and that's where they met girls and started to date and things like that. Puritus Skating Rink was kind of like a mecca for the kids in that area, okay? So my father, father-in-law, would get in their cars or whatever and drive all the way out to Puritus Hill, you know? miles and miles away from where they lived and subsequently that's where my father-in-law met my mother-in-law at the Puritus Hill skating rink and uh, they got married obviously (laughs) right but uh, so there's all these kinds of commonalities between my father and my father-in-law but the reason that I'm kind of bringing that up is because It's only something that I've kind of realized since my father-in-law and I have really started to talk was that with both of these men, okay, um, they're both very proper, they're polite, um, they're, you know, well-educated. They never leave the house dressed like a slob. They always treat people a certain way, um, their conduct, you know, and... uh, um, They have an old school philosophy, and that's what I want to talk about today, is that old school philosophy. And somehow, in some way, you know, I can connect with these two men in a way that makes us all laugh and we can all share, you know, humor. And that's kind of cool to me. And I've only recently been thinking about it, to be honest, like it really is kind of a cool thing that at least with these two guys that I respect and admire so much, and I love them too, um, that we can connect like that. You know, I'm the kind of person that can connect with them like that and, you know, bring them happiness, you know. And it's also kind of funny. Something I've kind of, I guess, mulled over a little bit um, is that really... When these men are separated from their wives, okay, when they're on their own and you're talking to them one-on-one, the conversation is really different, you know? They conduct themselves a certain way even around their wives, okay? Um, And from my father and probably from my father-in-law, it's like a relief to be able to talk like that and to be open and to laugh and to not have any boundaries in the conversation. And it is good for me too. Although I can say that like with my wife and I, when we talk to each other, we talk fast and loose with each other. Like we don't really worry about our conversation or our conduct with each other because it's always coming from the same place. And we've never had a fight or an argument I swear to you Uh, 15 years of marriage with my wife and I have never argued with her once okay 
and she gets how I am. You know, she knows how I am, so she's not easily offended. Her skin is pretty thick and her sense of humor is pretty sharp, sometimes a little bit sharper than mine. And, uh, you know, the conversations can go any which way, you know. And I think that's really important. Don't you? Don't you think it's important that when you talk to the people that you're close to, the people that you love and that you're friends with, you know, people you really care about, the people you let into your life, okay? Um, isn't it a very important aspect to be able to be open and honest and humorous and even off-colored sometimes, you know? And let me tell you something, folks. I see the value in that more and more every single day. And, you know... I can tell you this, that since I started doing this podcast, probably even more so than with the music, I've had the opportunity to connect with a lot of different people. And some of them are becoming really close to me and friends to me. Okay. And uh, I guess you can say that in some ways, if I really were to analyze it, I probably put these people that come to me, you know, because they heard the podcast and they want to talk to me. They want to get to know me a little bit or whatever. They feel comfortable approaching me and talking to me, which is wonderful. It's fantastic. It's something I never, ever expected would happen with this podcast. Okay. I just didn't think it would. Um, the conversations at first can maybe be a little bit fast and loose, a little bit off colored sometimes, a little flirty or whatever. And, you know, my wife doesn't care because she knows exactly where I'm coming from. But um, I have had the opportunity to kind of sit back a little bit uh, after talking to these newfound friends of mine and kind of analyze my approach to that whole thing. Okay, and the conclusion that I've come to is this, that I have to learn how to talk to people that I don't know. <laughs> like, I have to learn that, okay? Um, when someone comes to me, you know, because of the podcast or, you know, they like the podcast and they want to get to know me, I have to learn how to conduct myself. And that may not sound like it would be difficult to do, but in a way it kind of is, especially when you don't really realize that you should or that you have to. You know, like I've never been in a situation where I have people that I don't know from all over the world coming to me and starting conversation with me because they like my podcast, <laughs> you know, so they're my fans. And how do I talk to my fans? Do I treat them just like I treat everybody else? Ah, probably not. Probably not. And that is the conclusion that I've been coming to over the past few weeks or so, you know, is that I really kind of need to recalibrate uh, my approach to people that don't know me very well because I run the risk of offending them maybe or uh, being misunderstood. And there is no handbook for guys like me in situations like this. I mean, I suppose that's something I should talk about a little bit, right? That 
If you're a person who creates content on the internet, okay, it's possible to have a very broad, wide audience and not be famous, you know, like not be a celebrity, but have a voice that's reaching many, many people, right? And I don't have a publicist. I don't have a management firm or a a talent agency that's handling my PR, you know? Like, I am my PR department. I'm the person they talk to. There's no barrier between me and them. Or, should I say, there is no barrier between me and you, the person who's listening to this podcast right now. And... Let me just say this really quick. I welcome all of you to come to me and talk to me if you want to, you know, just come to my Facebook page or hit me up on email. I don't mind. I'll talk to anyone and I'll let the rest figure itself out. But at the same time, with this point that I'm making, you know, maybe cut me a little bit of slack, okay? because I'm trying to figure this out and trying to figure out how to handle it because it's totally new to me, believe it or not. I mean, even though I've been playing in bands my whole life and, you know, doing stuff in the public sphere for a very long time, um, I've never been in a situation like I'm in now where I have people that are coming to me and talking to me and, uh, They're strangers, really, but they're happy innovators. You know, they're not just ordinary people. They're highly intelligent, uh, really very interesting people. I mean, it's amazing. Um, Once you get into the story of someone's life, you know, how interesting and intricate their lives are. You know, it's easy to forget that kind of thing when you're meeting somebody for the first time or you're talking to them for the second or third time, okay, the deeper you dig into someone's life and into their story and the more you get to know about them, uh, it's really quite fascinating. And uh, I can give you an example, okay? There's a, a woman from Scotland. Her name is Deanna. And... She's hilarious, man. You know, she is totally hilarious. Like, for me, I'm like, you know, just a white boy from the suburbs of Cleveland, okay? I never thought in a million years that I would ever be in a dialogue with somebody that's not only from Scotland, okay, but someone that lives there. I mean, that may not seem like much to you guys, but to me, like when I was a kid, that wasn't possible, you know? This kind of stuff is only possible now because of technology. And it's fantastic. And this woman is hilarious. I mean, have you ever talked to somebody from Scotland? Oh, it's hilarious. It's like they have their own language, man. And a lot of the time she'll say stuff to me and I have no idea what she's talking about because, like I said, it's their own language. But Oh, it's so funny and so interesting to get to know this person. And uh, she's become somebody that I would consider a friend, you know, a real friend, not like a Facebook friend, like a a real friend, you know. And uh, I promised her because she's been listening to my podcast for a really long time. She's a big fan. And uh, 
Um, I promised her that I would mention her name in this podcast. So, Deanna, like I promised, I did say I would, and I did. And thank you for listening to this podcast. I know that you're listening to it right now. And uh, I know that you said that it helps you sleep. You listen to my podcast and it helps you get to sleep. And uh, I hope that you're zonking out right now as you're listening. (laughs) But thank you for contacting me. Thank you for listening and just sharing with me all of your stories and all the things that we've talked about. Uh, A shining example of how people can be kind and generous and open and we know really basically we learn from each other. That's really what happens. And uh, I can say uh, to keep talking about Deanna just a little bit more. Okay. Um, You know, she related to me uh, a couple days ago, actually, that um, she doesn't really like to watch movies. Okay. And I found that intriguing. Okay, she can't sit through movies. She doesn't like to. But what I found interesting about this person, Deanna, is that she is a happy innovator. Okay, so she doesn't buy into the Hollywood thing. She doesn't watch films, but she does seek out and find new content to watch for entertainment or listen to for entertainment, you know, me being one of those entertainers, one of those choices that she's made. And uh, I find that intriguing that somebody can reject uh, film and movies and things like that. The normal uh, source of entertainment for most people. Okay. And instead she chooses the option of seeking out alternate forms of entertainment. Now, to me, that is the personification of a happy innovator. Um, She must be, you know, like she must be that kind of person. And I'm actually kind of like more interested in finding out what other kind of things she's listening to or whatever. And, you know, as it turns out, like her taste in music is completely unique. And, uh, you know, she likes a lot of the older 60s and 70s music. And she's about my age. You know, we're about the same age and we come from the same era. So um, I kind of find it cool that she's kind of sticking with the music from back in the day. Um, it's pretty cool because, you know, It's not very often that I meet someone or talk to someone who can turn me on to new music that I've never heard before, but it's not new music. It's actually old music. I just never heard it. And uh, she's been kind of like, you know, steadily feeding me new pieces of music to listen to, different songs from different groups that I've never heard of, but that came out in the 60s and the 70s. And um, I can honestly say, I mean, I've thought about it. Uh, I don't think I know anyone else that can or is or has done that for me. You know, like it's really kind of a revelation to hear a song that's been around for 40 years 
plus, and uh, I've never heard it before. <laughs> you know, it's pretty cool. So, Deanna, thank you for typifying what the Singularity Podcast is really all about. And thank you for being a friend. And thank you for sharing with me all of the music and all of the things and the details of your life. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor and a privilege to know you and to get to know you and to be your friend. So, yeah, now that I've bird walked, you know, totally off the subject, talking about Deanna, I'll make a segue right back into talking about my father-in-law and my father. Um, These two old school men, you know, uh, they just have a certain way of doing things. and, And you know what? There's probably a lot for all of us to learn from guys like that. Those older men, you know, the stories that they tell and the experiences that they've had. Uh, there's a lot of wisdom there and a lot of knowledge and a lot of things we can learn. You know, maybe that's something we can all kind of think about for a little while. And maybe, you know, if you know somebody like that, you know, you know somebody who's in their 70s, you know. Sit down and have a conversation sometime. You you probably have your hair blown back by the stories that they tell and the things that they've experienced. And uh, in my case, you know, the sense of humor that these men have and that I share with them. So what does that say about me? You know, am I old school too? Eh, Maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. And I'm proud of it if that's the case because um, I'm relatable to men of that caliber. And that is a high honor, folks. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, from all over the world, happy innovators from all over the world. This is Mike Bostwick from Pipewire Records signing off. And remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy.